it's true that some people do not want to learn because if they do learn a certain way or another way, then they can't rationalize their destructive behaviors, right? Like, so it's like, I got to hold myself accountable if I do learn the other side or I do ask myself these questions. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, by asking yourself these questions, you're opening up yourself to another realm of responsibility and possibility where you're like, okay, I really know myself. Welcome to the Wild D Podcast, where our primary goal is to keep you informed and to be your central point of contact for what's happening around us. And anytime we get a chance, we'd like to give you something to think about. So if you're new to the show, we cover a wide range of topics from society to sobriety, from the culture to the vultures. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. In today's discussion, we talk about cognitive dissonance, the many ways this shows up as we navigate through life. For example, how can we root for one thing and then contradict ourselves in another aspect of life? Yes, there's a lot of self-reflection in this episode, and we encourage you to stop, collaborate, and listen. But make sure that you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for your support, feedback, and your ratings. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is an amazing day. The sun is shining. I feel sun-kissed. Man, I'm on day two of this fast that I just started. Um, It came out of nowhere. I said, you know what? I'm just going to end the month on liquids and let's see how it goes. Uh, So I feel good. I feel feel great. Uh, I'm going to try to get outside a little bit more and and get some more of that sun and uh, hydration. And I should be uh, good to go. Uh, Joe, how are you feeling, brother? Man, I'm good. I'm I'm a little jealous. I I, I want to get on a fast too now. You got me feeling like <laughs> I need to do it. I tell you, like what what it does for my mental, and what it does for my physical is is just an amazing thing. Um, I feel like when I do fast, I get to understand the real me. You know, like I get to strip all of these other things away, and then I get to understand. Who am I at my core? So, hey, whenever you want to do it, anybody open to fast. And I'm always open to trying uh, different ways to fast. I typically try to either end the month or begin the month on a fast. But whatever you have, like, let's try it. And then maybe next time we could document it. We could do day by day. How do you feel at the beginning? How do you feel at the end? I like it. I like it. Shoot. And if if any, any of the listeners have any ideas, Send it on over to uh, to us via the email. Is the info at youroverdose.com. Yes, please send that over. Be happy to look at your uh, fasting ideas. And, uh, you know, like I, I've tried a few. I try like going off the circadian ry- rhythm. I try doing the uh, only eating four hours out the day. But to, this time I'm actually not eating anything. I'm just going to rock it out and um, you know, rid myself of some of these toxins. You know, I had to navigate through some situations. <laughs> not too long ago so i don't know if it's gonna do anything because i'm i'm guy body but we'll, we'll figure it out we'll see how it goes i'll give you a report at the end <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to hearing that one <laughs> all right cool so hey look i talked about uh fasting and obviously that's at the top of my mind so it, it makes me think about uh just who i am at, at my core like in what ways am i working towards my goals but also what ways are what I'm doing, like, I guess the actions that I'm doing really working against me. So as I think about that a little bit more, I thought about something that you brought up 
multiple times in just casual conversations. And we talked about the topic of cognitive dissonance. So, so Joel, if you could do me a favor, um, especially because I'm fasting, and I'm going to be a little cotton mouth throughout this episode. I want you to kick <laughs> off, <laughs> if you could, please, man, kick off like cognitive dissonance and then why you feel like that's an important topic, especially um, in this day and age and this time. Sure. So, you know, I, normally uh, people want to go to to Webster's uh, and give you the dictionary's version of the definition of a word. Um, I like to be a little bit more practical just so it makes sense. Um, cognitive dissonance for me, uh, I like to simplify it this way. It's basically somebody doing one thing but telling you you can't do the same thing or somebody saying one thing even though everybody knows that's not what it really is. Uh, so just, just trying to simplify it there and I, I'll give you just a quick example. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny, um, you know, the Olympics just passed, right? And you got these folks that are still competing in these post-Olympic races. And you're looking at one group or one person and like, man, this person is really strong. They're really good at what they do. And then when that person, if that, that same person doesn't win, what do we say? And I always find those type of situations interesting because this is a great topic because it, it challenges back to what you said at the beginning at the top of the show. When I'm looking at who I am, what what motivates, what moves me, what helps me along my evolutionary journey? Am I taking time to take those introspective looks to be able to clean out some of that dirt? And if I'm watching this racer and I'm supporting them and I'm I'm in everybody's face talking about how good they are, but when they lose, and my response is, oh, they're still the best, or this, or whatever it may be, clearly that's not the case, but why are you saying that? Why why are you doing that is there's a defense mechanism that is uh, either consciously or con or unconsciously kicked in why and, and i think it's important to discuss this because it's a why question we need to be asking ourselves all the time and just to make it more personal right now i remember um and initially when we started seeing like a major uptick in in black men being killed black people brown people being killed i was I was on the side with everybody else hollering about how racist police officers were and you know how racist this country was and I was on that tip so 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 heavy. And I was I was on it so heavy I wasn't even paying attention or able to acknowledge hey but we got crime that we're committing against each other in our own communities. Mm -hmm. Why is it that I'm so able and capable to discuss in detail intelligently intellectually or so I thought how bad these police officers are, but I can't even hold the people that live next door to me accountable. That's cognitive dissonance, to my opinion. No, I like Hypocrisy. that. Typically, Joe, like, I guess the way that I'm, I'm breaking this down is like, I, I feel like we're all guilty of it at, at least sometimes in our lives. Um, and it's just holding those conflicting beliefs going, adding to your point. Um, another example is, I mean, you talked about the race and, and hold on real quick. Are you talking about Shakiri? No, but no, you know what? That's right on time. That is a great, that's a great one. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was just talking about it in general because I've seen some some people losing and it's like, whoa, did not expect that. Or people winning like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And these are the, like I said, these are the post-Olympic races. So no, not her specifically, but that she, she would fit into that boat too. 
Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people were expecting her to be number one, to be, you know, have the, the, the gold medal. And even from, from our standpoint, so, like, we're supporting her and we're saying, hey, you know, we're blaming a lot of people. I, you know, I'm, I'm going on record saying that I did and blaming institutions for certain things. However, when she got an opportunity to to compete again, wow, you know, she came in yeah. last place, man. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Um, but I, I like that example, too, because people are probably still saying, hey, she's the best or she's the fastest. And very, very well might be the yeah. best and the fastest. Um, but that's just an example of how that could possibly show up. Yep, absolutely. All right. So um, here's another example that, you know, I, I pulled out of the internets and, and things of that sort is um, that the statement on, especially building on your point in Black Lives Matter, right? We have, um, we all, we all are one race, but black people are different. They are more likely to engage in criminal behavior. And that's just the facts. We look mm. at that as an example. Now, if we had to pick that apart really quick, Joel, are those the facts? I mean, based off of what we have and based off what we look at, yeah, they may get locked up more, but does that mean that they're actually more likely to engage in criminal behavior? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, it's kind of tough to, to say that and then, and then lead with that and live with that. Yeah, yeah, no, it is for real. Um, it's it's a funny conversation, actually. The predisposition to criminality is an argument that's been going on for some time, and it's a bunch of quasi smart people trying to use all type of scientific measurements to determine whether or not a particular group or subset or culture, whatever, has this like basically in their DNA code, almost like it's written. So it's an interesting topic. Anybody listen, I would suggest d doing your own deep dive or search into that. Um, but I, I, I'll be, I'll tell you this, and, and I don't even know if this is where you want me to go, but I'll say this about it. I don't believe any person is predisposed to any behavior. Everything that we do is always learned and taught. I believe that there's a, a level of nature versus nurture, which uh, a fellow podcaster talks about frequently. And you weren't born that way. So how did it become that? So the behavior was nurtured. So even when we think about just like, again, going back to that large umbrella of cognitive dissonance, you're not predisposed to that. That's a tough behavior. And it's probably not even something that's a physical lesson. It's more of just something that you picked up on subconsciously because you've seen people doing it your entire life. So when I think about that in terms of black people, no, nah, heck no, nah, that ain't true. However, it's become so nurtured within the community. It's almost like it is a predisposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and, and just building off of that point, I've, I've seen multiple times where there's ways that people could, could use whatever's out there, whatever the narrative is to their advantage to prove their point. And this is just one of those situations. It's also like a bias, but we're just stick with ourselves because I think cognitive dissonance, while we could put that in a, a group or put it associated with a certain type of group of people, what I want to do is at least what I'm trying to do is get everybody to look at it as far as the I. How can yeah. how how am I showing up? Because if we relate it to certain groups of individuals that think a certain way, 
it's harder to change. I think it's easier to change yourself. And if if we have more people thinking like that to say, okay, hey, you know, maybe it's just the facts because that's what is on the news. Then you don't think about, okay, like, why is it the only thing that's on the news? You know, like, yep. or who are the individuals that are saying, that, hey, this is the news that keeps people engaged. So let's continue to show this thing. Yes. Another example, yes. Joe, is, um, you know, I'm, I'm plant based. Um, I try to say dietary restrictions uh, just because it's it's easier for yep. for me and uh, also for <laughs> feedback. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have an example here of the the vegan that purchases a leather bag. The other one is the environmentally conscious guy who buys a car that runs on gas. What if he can't afford a Tesla? You know, right. Another, another way of looking at it, but we'll stick to just the contradictory or hypocrisy piece of cognitive dissonance. I, I, I love those examples too. And it's funny. Here, here's one thing I will say, cause I, uh, like you, I, I share a, um, a plant-based diet. Um, I will dabble into chicken though, from time to time, just, you know, in all fairness and <laughs> transparency. Um, but what people also need to understand, and this is bigger than just, you know, whether it's plant-based, vegan, whatever you want to say, it's bigger than just diet. But whenever you start to align yourself with something, you got to be able to identify and define your alignment. So I don't live a vegan lifestyle. I eat vegan. It's a total difference, but people need to understand that difference. Like, Lifestyle means, like you said, no plastic, well, not plastic bag, but uh, anything that is animal product based, period, whatever mm -hmm. it is, whether it's shoes, clothes, um, <laughs> foods, sources, uh, uh, juice or whatever it is. None of that, period. And, and people think it's cute to align themselves with things. And they don't always know the full picture. So for them, it's easy to fall into that cognitive dissonance or hypocrisy lane because they haven't done the full necessary due diligence to be able to fully explain or express what it is they believe, why they believe it, what they hope to achieve by being a part or associated with it. Right, right. Because like even from that stand, like from that same view, let's just say you are a vegan and you you're doing that because of the animals. Like you really love the animals. I don't hug animals. I don't do goat yoga. I don't, I don't, that's not my, I'm, I'm being honest. That's not my thing. So some people probably went to that lifestyle based off of their love for the animals. I went to that lifestyle based off my love for myself. I wanted to, I wanted to be aware of what I put in my body. And the only way I can do that is focusing on the things that come out of this earth. That's it. And I mean, that's just my thought process. So I didn't look at it and say, hey, I want to buy just all like vegan leather. And I don't even know, Joel, if you knew that was a thing. But vegan um, leather? The, yeah. Somebody actually confronted me about that because I saw um, I saw a nice uh, like a laptop bag one time at work. And then this person was ultra vegan and actually they vibe with me a lot. Like they would talk to me about a lot of stuff because they were vegan and I saw somebody with a nice bag and I was like, wow, that's a, that's a nice leather bag. And I said, you know, I might try to look to get me one. And she said, only if it's vegan leather. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I, I was wow. actually, I was like, whoa, let me look this up. 
and <laughs> there, there's a thing where there's vegan leather. And here's the cool part, right? Uh, my kids, they live the lifestyle like they eat like me as well. Uh, dietary restrictions is their focus on it. But while we were shopping for back to school bags, my daughter saw a vegan leather bag and she was like, hey, I'll try it, you know, and she she's wearing it every day to school. So it's a really cool thing for her. But that's just not like we're going to get rid of all of the bags in our house because they're not vegan. You know, that doesn't that's not something that we're focused on. So I feel like your point is 100 percent is so solid because I did it because of me, my body. That's how I eat that's what I put it into me I didn't do it because I want to hug trees or yeah. do goat yoga which is a thing it really is <laughs> I've seen it I've seen it my bad man so yeah uh, all right so I, I want to go into another example because I did a lot of uh deep diving into this and I guess it's just because obviously the fast right but here's an example of one that that shows up a lot and, and it hits me because of the conversations that I had. So there are people who go on dating apps and they tell me that all they get is rejection on the dating app, right? And it's so cool because, you know, they're thinking about just themselves in that current situation, Joel. Well, what I try to remind them is that they've also rejected some people too, right? And when they rejected some people, it wasn't that big of a deal. They, it's not like they hated the individuals that they rejected from the app. They just, I mean, it's not like they even thought that they were disgusting. They were just like, hey, you know what? This person's not for me. But when they turned it around on themselves, they were harsher and they internalized the thought of, oh man, I'm horrible. You know, we're not, yeah. we're not connecting. And um, maybe even no one likes me or Hey, I'm just a loser. And that's a destructive pattern of thinking that reinforces the dissonance and that can shape behaviors and also replay negative cycle for a very long time. So I wanted to call that out because it's so funny as you may like internalize things. And let me say I, as I may internalize things that happened to me, but as I look around, I may do the same thing, right? And it could be something as simple as, let's just say not the dating app, but it could be just a scroll in social media. I may post something and somebody might see it and then just scroll past it. It's not a big deal. I didn't get the double tap. Um, and I may do it as well. And I can tell you that it's natural for me to just scroll and when I guess the once a week that I get on there. It's natural for me to just scroll and not even double tap anything. But when I think about that, I can't get upset that nobody double tap me if I'm doing the same thing, right? Yep. And it's just that same type of thought process that how I could show up as a hypocrite in my everyday. So I just wanted to call that out in my personal example. Yeah, no, and I'll give you another one. Um, like I said, I, I know I, I mentioned it already, but just taking it a, a layer deeper, when I talked about um, how I jumped on the bandwagon so hard on the anti-police, anti-racist people, anti-white people, basically, is, is what that movement was. When I was jumping behind that so hard, I had a problem with other people being parts of other groups. Like you started hearing about more of these militia groups popping mm -hmm. up. 
And and I'm like, man, how are they going to be a part of these groups? They already telling you what they are. White nationalists, they already telling you what they are. But I had no problem with people joining Black Lives Matter. So I'm like, wait a minute. How is it okay for this person to have a perspective? And as their perspective, even if it's right or wrong, that doesn't matter. They have a perspective. And as a human being, you're allowed to, to be a part of whatever you want to be a part of based on your perspective. It's cool for them to be in those groups. But I mean, it's, I'm sorry, I'm saying it the other way around. It's not okay for them to be in those groups, but it's okay for me to be a part of this group. So again, that was me being a hypocrite. And it's, I keep bringing up this one because race is so triggering. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it, it doesn't take much for me to get on edge every time I hear about something happening to a black person. And it, it, it's funny. Um, every time you hear about a police shooting, you're, you're hoping, hoping that it's, it's not a, another black person first. But as soon as you hear it is, you'd be like, I bet it was a white person. I bet it was. So even when a black officer kills a black person, you don't even hold that to the same level. Or on the flip side, these two guys out in the, geez, I can't remember where they were, but they wound up killing this officer and, and putting the other one in the hospital. And nobody was out there rallying and doing all that, similar to how if it had been the flip side. If the police would have shot those brothers in that car, man, that city would have went nuts. So again, it's, you know, a huge umbrella, but it's so, I want to stick on that one because for me, it's still a trigger. And I feel like I've gotten way better and like waiting until I get all the information, all the details before I go out there and start banging. But I know it's still something I'm challenged with every time. I'm like, I know it was this. I know there was, there was racist. This is just the instinctive thoughts that pop into my head at this point. And again, I wasn't born to have that mindset, but it's been nurtured for so long that it's hard for me to shake away from it. So if if we could stick with that, because that's a very <laughs> sensitive topic for a lot yeah. of individuals, because what I'm hearing is you don't want to get triggered. Right. And right. there's a part of it to where you have to look at yourself and say, OK, yeah, I don't want to get triggered. Um, I got to understand my situation. Why am I able to jump up or why do I feel this in my heart when something comes up? But then there's another part of it to where you're like all white people are racist or the cops are, are racist, racist for whatever reason. And it's black lives matter, blue lives matter. Like there's something that, that goes in that direction as well. And I think we got to recognize ourselves first. Like, why do we feel what we feel? And then when you figure out what that root is, then we go in kind of dissect that because sometimes what we end up doing is we just go towards the, whatever we the initial emotion so i say the that because let's just say hey i am upset because i don't have the same opportunities or i'm not granted the same uh i guess you would say uh wiggle room as some other individuals to make mistakes or i feel like i'm targeted as a black person i get that i understand that then you go in and say okay like why do i feel this way Yep. Or what, when has that happened? Is that the same situation? And then you say, okay, if you eliminate me being a black person and going through this, would this still happen? If that answer is yes, then let's go in and say, okay, yeah, okay. Blue Lives Matter is more 
racist. Let's just say that's the case, Joel. I really want to get into that because I'm trying to think after you've done that self-evaluation and understand to where, why you're triggered and what has triggered you, is it correct for you to go ahead and take action on that one thing once you figured out that root cause? So I'm going to answer that question and then I'm going to jump in and do a little bit of a deep dive on my side too. Um, I think it's it, that at that moment when you do that introspective look and you start recognizing, then you need to sit and wait for patterns. I think trying to take action, it, you can be premature and it can it cannot show up the same way because as we mentioned, um, cognitive dissonance can show up in a lot of different ways. If you're not seeing these other ways because you've recognized this one, then you might have done yourself a disservice. So I think it's intelligent to continually do that introspective look as often as possible, um, especially when it's in in terms of a response to something like, how am I responding to something? Or how am I reacting to mm-hmm. something? Um, I think waiting to see if there are any patterns that you're developing, like you said, you get, you get angry or you get defensive or something like that. Um, well, why did you get angry in the first place? What, what was the real emotion behind it? Were you angry or were you embarrassed? And as because you were embarrassed, now you feel um, open and vulnerable. You know, it's this color wheel that they give you in therapy, and that's exactly what it breaks down. So that's my answer to that. But jumping back, growing up, I guess I did have that sense that I wasn't valuable, that I wasn't good enough, um, that white people were better than black people. Uh, I remember even one time I might have been like five or six, and I said, I wish I was white because it just looked like my white neighbors were having so much fun. I lived in... Um, an apartment complex in this neighborhood, Taylor, Michigan is what it is. And Taylor was a a poor place. So it's nothing but poor folks um, basically living here at that time. And when I say poor, I don't mean like destitute, but I mean like you couldn't afford to get a house, you couldn't afford to do certain things. So this was the option that you had. And I remember seeing my neighbors like, man, their, head, their life looks so cool. They look like they're having so much fun. Everything you see on TV, it imitates all that. So again, that nurture, you know, I, I was nurtured to believe, um, even unintentionally in some most instances, to believe that I was less than. So growing up and realizing, wait a minute, I'm not less than. It was so easy for me, anytime something happened that was racial, to take it to the next level because I had been feeling this way for so long and realized that was wrong and how, how bad I was really feeling about my culture and my heritage that it caused me to start banging hard on the other end. Mm-hmm. So much so, I'll give this example. And, and, you know, I hate to even talk about something like this, but I have to because it was a real situation. When Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, I, I was super triggered the entire time and one day, because, you know, they showed all the video, like when he was in the convenience store before he actually was walking back down that street to go back home. I, I saw that video a million times, I guess, of him in that grocery or a little like convenience type store. And one day I was like, oh, my gosh, what? Mike Brown is a big guy. Why is he bullying up on this little store owner? Now, I'm from again, I'm from Michigan. Dearborn, Michigan has the highest concentrated population of Middle Eastern people outside of the Middle East. Mm. Um, it, at least to the, to the last time that information was available to me, that was the case. It, it might have shifted. I don't know. But Dearborn, Michigan, largest population. And 
I, I've been in stores where some some very disrespectful things have been done. So not to say that that little bitty dude didn't say something disrespectful because I've seen it happen. But I was watching the behavior and I'm like, man, why is he treating that little bitty dude like that? Why is he doing all this? Why is he, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you obviously yeah. can watch this little dude. What are you doing? And then I'm like, well, maybe I need to ask more questions about him. What is his behavior on a regular basis? And I never asked myself any of those questions. I was always like, oh, they racist. They killed him. He wasn't doing anything just like everybody else. Tell you the truth. I don't know what he was doing. But what I do know is I saw how he was acting in that store. So there was a level of aggression that he was carrying. Yeah. Now, nobody deserves to die at the hands of somebody else. That's my personal belief. Unless, you know, there's some caveats to that. Like you hurt my daughter, my wife son we're gonna have problems but what i mean is you know what i mean like nobody yeah. is should be the judge jury executioner of a situation so i'm not at all saying that you know um the police officers were justified because that's that's false that's a false narrative you're never justified in that situation especially if you're not life is truly not in jeopardy um but just it, it forced me to look at the situation in a way that i had not been looking at those situations before like okay what was that person doing? Because it can't just be that every single black person was just being super kind and, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Co-op, whatever you want to say. Like, sometimes you got to look at the other side of it. And because of my own cognitive dissonance, I was just on that tip again. All white people are racist. They pretend they're not. All police officers are bad. They pretend they're not. And the ones that ain't saying nothing, they bad too. Even though they ain't doing it, they ain't telling on their partners or they you know fellow blue lives matter folks yeah so i i was painting these broad strokes and i wasn't even looking at the root of the situation to your point earlier again and if you're not taking that you know looking at the root of situations mm -hmm. man you gonna stay triggered and, and cognitive dissonance is going to happen as a result because you're not going to even you're not even going to consider facts at that point it's going to become all feeling well i love what you're saying and if if you don't mind, I'd love to get into that color wheel just a little bit more. And, and we can definitely uh, link an example of that in, in the show notes. So, Joel, do me a favor and, and just hypothetical. It's not I'm not calling you an expert at all, but I just wanted to dig into what you said about the color wheel and then related to the Michael Brown scenario. Right. And particularly. The video that they showed when he was in that, I think it was a the convenience store gas station. Okay. You, you good yeah. with that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so let right. me, let me do this. Let me give you a quick example. So the color wheel, it's, it starts real small in the middle of the circle is smallest. And then that's my, that was my first layer. question. Yeah. That was yeah. my first question. Yeah. So like, yeah, break down that. So do you start in the middle or do you start in the out on the outside? So, What's funny about that is the feelings usually happen starting from the outside, mm -hmm. but we respond from what's on the inside. You get what I'm saying? So as an example, in the middle, you have bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, happy, surprised, right? Okay. And then there's a, there's an extension for each one of those that are the feelings that are the layer beneath it, and mm -hmm. then even the layer beneath that. So just using me and the way I viewed this situation with Michael Brown, before I, I, you know, got out of my own way. Hold on, just, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't yeah. do it, don't do it, hold on, okay, hold okay. on. All right, hold on. All right, all right. So if you could, 
Yeah, okay. still answer that question and where, where you were going. I just wanted to like set it up. So if we had to relate it to what was going on on the on the Michael Brown situation, I guess what you're saying from the inside of the color wheel is how we feel on the inside. On the outside is how it shows. Is that correct? More so? Or Well, kind of. It's because for every person, it's going to be a little bit different. Okay. But for the most part, it's what's on that the the very center of the wheel. That's mm. what people are going to see. So see, the inside that's what they're gonna is see. yes. Okay. They're going cool. to see that for the most part, but it's always prompted by the behaviors that are the layers beneath. Even better, Joel, do me a favor and <laughs> explain at least from the way that. And this is just your opinion. We're not saying like you're gonna go into court and start doing all that stuff, you know. But right. <laughs> like you're gonna be an expert witness. But if you had right. to look at it, um, based off of the video that you saw, where would you say uh, Michael Brown landed in the middle? So. Just in, in in looking at the video footage when he was inside the convenience store, yeah, um, he seemed angry. Okay, and so where would that go? And, so the, angry, anger is in the dead center of the wheel. It's one of those primary seven emotions. So is that? Oh, it's it's called angry. Yeah, it's okay. actually called the word angry, and okay. then beneath angry, you have that next layer down. Mm -hmm. You have let down, humiliated, bitter, mad, aggressive, frustrated, distant, or critical. That's what I'm talking about, Joel. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had to just keep on drawing that line uh -huh. on the outside, I mean, that's a lot. But based off of some of the details that came out or wherever you would go, based mm -hmm. off of that reaction, where would you say that next line is drawn to? And this is where it gets more difficult to try to guesstimate for somebody else because you nobody will ever know what's that next layer down except you. Okay, now, let's I let's can... do this. Let's do this. Okay, and I'm having fun with it. I'm sorry if yeah, I'm doing yeah. too crazy, but I, like, okay, let's just say this: eliminate Michael Brown. Okay. If we had to insert Joel, okay. for Joel to respond in that manner, right? Um, that something had to happen for you to respond like that. Where would you had to link? Like, where would you link that next layer? Sure. So if, if you saw me as angry, mm -hmm. then more than likely it's going to be either the let down or the humiliated. Okay. Um, you know, just being honest or, or maybe even a little bit frustrated. Uh, and then under let down, it's betrayed or resentful. So either I feel like I've been betrayed, which in, in the case for a lot of black folks, I think I think that's a, a pretty consistent feeling. A lot of people have like they've been betrayed by the system or by <laughs> by the United States, um, but then also resentful. And it's very, very easy to become resentful when you come from poverty. Like you, you're resentful for your situation. You can be resentful for your parents or, or the people in your life, resentful for the situation you find yourself in. So so basically, I, I guess if, if I can answer this the best way I can, looking at mm -hmm. Joel, I would look at this, if I'm in that store acting that way, it's more than likely based off of a, a resentfulness that I have or a feeling that I feel like I've been disrespected. And as a result, it's made me angry. But here's where it gets real interesting, fam. Go ahead. Just because these are these uh, emotions associated with angry, it, as it kind of expands out like that into yeah. those second and third layers, anger isn't always triggered by that. Anger can actually be triggered by feeling sad or by feeling surprised or disgusted. So 
it, it gets so much deeper when you really start digging into emotions. And again, tying it back to cognitive dissonance, it gets so deep to the point where you may not even recognize, well, why am I, why am I feeling this way? Why would I just say that they can't join the KKK, but I can join the new Black Panther Party? Why, why am I feeling like that's the case? Is, is it because, to your point now, again, that initiation or that initial thought or feeling, is it because I feel like they're wrong for their beliefs and they've been putting my people through this so they shouldn't, but I need to because this is the only thing that protects me? So then that's when we start creating the reasons. So again, that's that next layer down from that initial emotion. And the deeper you dig into those things, you can get to the source, you can get to the root, you can get to the beginning emotions, what you actually felt versus what it manifested itself as. I want to say that I've never seen you angry. So I'm just using a hypothetical for the system that we can create, because I don't think cognitive dissonance is going to go away. No, I feel like we can always improve on our situation. And that's where it goes back into the eye. So for you, when you say, hey, I have angry or I have um, yeah, angry is what that center emotion is. I drill on out. I have resentment there. Let's just say mm -hmm. it may be resentment. Um, and that initial feeling of of anger, then it's good to to pause and and reflect. Mm -hmm. And and opposed to what I'm about to go into, you shared something earlier that's like, hey, let me let me know myself a little bit better. And I think I kind of take it a step further of saying studying yourself, right? We do a lot of studying, yeah. we do a lot of con consuming. There's a lot of stuff out there, and we are learning every day, but we're doing ourselves a disservice if we do not study ourselves. We need to learn ourselves, learn our triggers and yes. continue to build on it. So you can say, hey, look, I remember at this time last year, this was a trigger that used to get to me. I'm way past that now. Right. And, yep. and that's, a, that's an evaluation process is going to always happen. So now let's fast forward in the conversation. And we talk about questions that you can ask yourself when there's resentment there. I'm looking at the same example of asking the question and saying, why do I feel resentment? And, and what could possibly come from that? Maybe you can link it into exactly what you said. Like maybe it's because uh, I see other people getting a better opportunity to me or people are laughing and enjoying life. And that's not my situation. That's not my scenario. Um, all of those things that you mentioned, I feel like that's a really good question. And then the next question is, is it possible that I'm missing something here? So if you had to go back to those times of resentment for your hypothetical situation, would you say that there's something that you were possibly missing? Oh, for sure. For but, sure. Okay. And, and let me say this too. The emotion that people see is never the lead emotion. That's what's, that's what's, it's worked its way up. It's kind of blown up, evolved, gotten stronger and stronger. So by the time it comes out, you know, when you see somebody crying, as an example, they're not, there's a reason why. We know there's a reason why, but what is that reason? Okay, are they sad? Are they, did somebody pass? Are they, 
lonely? Are they afraid? Do they have a big test coming up or a job interview? They feel like they might have blown. There's all these different reasons. So uh, yes, when you talk about the resentful piece and then am I missing something? For sure. And I'll say this because it sounds so easy the way we're saying it right now. I'm not going to lie. This is not easy to get to the point where you can do this. Um, and you, we, yeah, we definitely got to link the, link the color wheel in, in the description for folks because I think Anybody who can get this and print it out and look at it and objectively by yourself, whatever feeling, whatever just happened, the situation just went down. Let me see. What is, was I scared? Was I, you know, happy? What, what was it? And then let me drill down. Why was I that way? Well, when they did this and this and this, it made me feel this. Okay. Now let me drill down to the next level. And this is how it all started. This is where the emotion actually comes from. So again, let me do the down to resentful. I'm angry, but I'm angry because I was just embarrassed. And then below that, I feel disrespected and I feel ridiculed now because of that. Yeah. So I've got all these feelings that I really can't unpack, but it just shows itself as angry. But if I can have that conversation with my wife and be like, hey, you made me angry because I felt humiliated. And I felt humiliated because you were doing this. And, and to me, that's, a, that's disrespectful. And now I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm being ridiculed by my peers or anybody else who sees this. I'm, I'm the butt of their jokes. So being able to break that down from that initial thought or that expression of that emotion, starting at that expression and working your way down to why it even became a feeling in the first place and why did it bother you so much? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joel, I love this, man, because, I mean, what we talked about was, number one, the the questions asking, like, why do I feel this certain way? Am I missing something? And then you went into the key piece of what actions can I take to learn more and reevaluate what I think I know? So when I think about that as well, it, it makes me think that there's also a factor that you have to put in. And that's why I want to. Like when you think about cognitive dissonance, like this is something that you got to own. You got to own it for yourself. You got to yeah. own like where are you showing up as a hypocrite? Uh, where are you contradicting yourself? And it's true that some people do not want to learn because they can't. If they do learn a certain way or another way, then they can't rationalize their destructive behaviors. Right. Correct. Like Correct. so it's like I got to hold myself accountable if. I do learn the other side or I do ask myself these questions. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, by asking yourself these questions, you're opening up yourself to another realm of responsibility and possibility where you're like, okay, I really know myself. And that's, I mean, really, that's what I get out of fasting. But I think it's the hunger pains, really. I never really look at it from the standpoint of a color wheel. So. Shout out to you for that one, man. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, man, no problem. It's um, man, there's just there's just so many examples of cognitive dissonance that that show up, um, but especially on a personal level, man. And and that, I think that's why this is such an important conversation because nobody talks about cognitive dissonance as a individual issue. They always make it a, a broad issue. Yeah, right? like a group. Like a, it has yeah. to be associated with somebody, well, at least more than one. It could be yeah. a cabinet of people. It yep. could be a uh, like some type of demographic, some type of uh, just group following. And that's how they think. And while that's so tough, man, I, I just 
for some reason, I just cannot get with the program. I want it to be, this is me. This is how I think. Yeah. This is how I internalize. And that color wheel is so great because now you're able to really place that energy in a certain area to ask yourself questions. So yes. if I see you and it shows up that you're angry, but then I say, hey, Joel, man, I don't understand why you're angry about this. Now, that may even reflect this cognitive dissonance because you're saying I'm not angry. I feel like I'm um, I'm 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 resentful, you know, so yeah. you're, you're it's showing up as anger. And I think that that's probably one of the things that sticks out the most to me is actually self-awareness and an understanding where you are and how you're showing up by asking yourself those questions. Love yep. you, Joel. For sure, for sure. Emotional intelligence is uh, is not a new term, but it's one that I'm becoming more and more familiar with since I've started on this journey with my therapist. Um, but it's, it's, it's super important. Yep, there it is right there. Finn just we showed gonna, me we a gonna, book. We're we going to link yeah. it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's true, man. And emotional intelligence is just like any other type of intelligence, which means that it can grow. And when you're young, you don't have the same type of emotional intelligence as you should have. <laughs> Let me make sure I put that in there. Should have once you get older. Uh, so when we're talking about how do I identify and how do I do this introspection thing, if that's not what I'm accustomed to, it, a lot of it comes with that emotional maturity. And let's be real, not everybody's going to have the opportunity to develop that muscle. I agree. It, you know, unfortunately, everybody's not going to have whether it's time, whether it's before they could really do it. They've already done so much damage. Now they're stuck in this situation or in this in this way or rut. Um, but for the people who have those moments of clarity and ask those questions like, man, I don't want to be angry all the time. Why am I always angry? What is it really? Because we have those moments. And, and if they're blessed enough to have somebody in their life or in their space that can be like, hey, maybe you should think about it this way, where they start digging in and then eventually, hopefully, they get to the point where they can sit with a therapist. I, I think it would do everybody on the planet some good to just do like a, a, like a six-month trial with, with the therapist. And if it works out, awesome. If it doesn't for you, that's cool. You can try it again or not, but at least trying it because I think it, it starts to set your mind on that. How can I be better? And when we talked about earlier, what you just said, which is so true about that, that group association when it comes to cognitive dissonance and terms like it. But what we don't understand is that group didn't start as that group. One person went and talked to somebody else about how they felt, mm -hmm. found out they agreed. Then they went and talked to somebody else and they agreed. Now you got a group. Yeah. So it's easy to create and push a narrative when it's about the way you think or feel about something. And the re where that shows up for Joel is Joel, Joel does really care about his community. And when he sees bad stuff happening to his people and to the people in his community, it makes him feel bad and it makes him angry and it makes him sad and, and, Dang near every feeling on this emotional wheel. And then if you ask why, I can dig into all of them. But the one thing I had not been doing is saying, well, every black person ain't a great person. I'm trying to act like we are, but, you know, every human being is not a great human being. And when I can recognize that, now I can start 
asking those other questions for real. So it's not just a, always me against you. It doesn't always have to be combat. We don't mm. always have to be at odds. Yep. But if I can't even take the moment to look at the other side, not even put myself in your shoes, I don't believe in that because I don't think that's realistic. It's impossible to do that and to feel and think like somebody else. But at least to look, try to think of it from a different angle. Just think of it that way, not even from their eyes, their vantage point, none of that. Let me just think about it a different way. All right, now what would happen if that young man didn't try to evade the police and jump in his car and try to pull off on him? Yeah. Would he still be here today? Probably, you know what I mean? But if I'm, this this black boy got killed again, I man, ain't nothing ever gonna change. This country is the worst country in the world. All these white people and the systemic oppression and racism is ruining this country that they claim is the greatest and it's not, it was built on the blacks of slaves. Now within all of what I just said, there's a lot of truth. A lot of those things are real, but at the same time, I, now that I understand that this is what happened or this is what the situation is today for me specifically, how can I improve my position, my self-interest? How can I achieve those things? How can I pull myself up by my proverbial bootstraps and then start to effectively make changes that are gonna be lasting and meaningful for me so that way I can do that for somebody else, whether it's just sharing information or being an ally to them. And that's when I feel like you can really get to that point where you recognize things like cognitive dissonance when they show up, where you don't just automatically associate and get triggered because of this. But when somebody else does something similar, they're the bad guy, but it's okay when you do it. I love that, man. And um, I think it's tough because we, we also have a responsibility as content creators and uh, to use our voice and to use our platform. And I think that sometimes, actually, let me just correct that statement. I think that a lot of times there are individuals like us that use their their platform to, to benefit themselves or, or they actually show cognitive dissonance all the time. So yeah. um, with that, because, I mean, obviously they, they have something to gain off of it. And I know that we, we've had multiple conversations about it offline. I wasn't sure if you wanted to share one of the ones that examples of ones that stick out to you. You know, there's a couple actually. Um, but I don't know if we want to want to say names, if, if that's OK. Yeah, we want to say names. OK. <laughs> Topics or situations. I'm OK. OK, with that. cool. Yeah. I'll do that. And, and I think most people will know who I'm talking about when I say this. But there are a couple of them right now that are making a living off of either trying to destroy the credibility of men or on the flip side, destroy the credibility of women. So what they're doing overall is, is destruct, destructive and toxic on both sides. But what's the funny part is, like I mentioned earlier, both of them are leveraging talking points that have legitimacy behind them at some point. At some point, what they're saying is true. Like it's factual, you can't deny it. Like if they say, uh, there's hardly any good black men out there. When you look at statistics based off of like who's in jail and who's dying and stuff like that. Okay. You can spend that data to make it seem like there's really not a lot of good black men, to, a pool of good black men to, to, to pick from, but we know that's not the truth. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Or on the flip side, all, all black women are all about themselves or whatever it is, whatever talking point they want to use. But then they'll say something like, well, 
there there's some maybe here or some maybe, but you gotta dig this you gotta uh find you gotta settle maybe that's the best way to put it you may you may have to settle she gonna have at least two or three kids and they create these talking points where you see some of it as fact yeah there there are a lot of women that may have a kid but what about all the ones that don't so it's just like any type of analytical tool you can spin the numbers to make it look how you want to look they're spinning information to make it look like they want it to look and they got these group followings now and it becomes like an echo chamber is what they call it where everything i say it bounces right back to me because you're going to say exactly what i said just because you bought into what i'm saying oh yeah so there's a ton of content creators right now either on the man side or the female side that are tearing down the other side for their own personal gain. And these people are winning. You're seeing their followers are going up, their subscribers, their shares, the the interaction or engagement, as they call it. All that stuff is shooting up. And if you know anything about engagements and insights on a, on a social media platform, you already understand that the more people are checking for me, the more ads I'm going to get, the more money I'm going to make. I can continue to do this because I know this is going to fill my pockets. Racially motivated crimes have increased. Right. And I think most of that is because what's being pushed out there, because it may spark some type of emotional response, um, which could also impact your mental health. Or if you're not using that color wheel for the self-awareness, you don't know exactly where to put that energy. Yes. I, I will close it, at least with my point is that we are living in a hyper stimulated society. And the ones that are doing the stimulating, they stand a lot to lose if you put your device down. Oof. I'm just being real, right? They stand a lot to lose. So they yeah. know that there's sometimes there's something that they're trying to give you. There's some emotion that they're trying to give you that falls inside that color wheel. The thing about it is the one that you act on the most, those are the ones that they're really hitting on. They're not hitting to try to make sure that you feel peaceful. I don't see that. Like, let's be honest. I don't see that. Right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't see the the good messages just coming in and flooding the 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 timelines. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't see that coming in and flooding the, the forums. So, with that being said, um, going back to our conversation a little bit earlier, it's important to be aware and then also confront and have those systems. Ask yourself questions. Be a, be aware of the words that you use and also your motivation behind those words. Are you attempting to add to the conversation or defend yourself to make yourself feel better? Are you commenting to show support or to ruffle feathers? What you say or what you post matters, but how does it add to your personal or societal growth. And if you feel uncomfortable, you need to confront yourself first. Dope. Joe, what you got, man? Well, I'm going to leave everybody with this last thing. And this is just to kind of, on this beautiful day, just kind of think on for the next couple. And and hopefully it's a, a concept you hold on to for life. If you have your best closest person to you in life they commit a crime heinous crime and you know they did it they confided in you 
What do you say about that person? You going to turn them in? So think on that. Now, on the flip side of that, when a police officer does something illegal, should we expect their closest people to them to snitch on them? And if you have a hang up on either one of them sides, you got some work to do. Yes, we value good conversations and good relationships. And this is one that we'll truly cherish working on it every single day. So once again, another call out. If you have any information on fasting or you want to share a fast with the YLD podcast, please reach out to us at info at youroverdose.com. To learn more about the color wheel, that is linked in the show notes. Also, emotional intelligence is linked in the show notes. And if you have any feedback for us, please reach out to us at feedback at youroverdose.com. And we promise to keep you anonymous. Till next time.